Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? Welcome to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. And the sponsor of our podcast is Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the genocide in Rwanda of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide happened, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. In the warning she gave the people of Rwanda, she specifically said it was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day, as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? And as you think about our sponsor, think about the fact that Mary predicted the genocide in Rwanda 10 years before it happened. And yes, she predicted the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. The fact that she can do both those things just means we should pay attention to her. So today's episode, I want to share an amazing story with you. And let's just see if it impacts you the way it impacted me. During World War II, there were two organizations in New York City that worked together to rescue and assist Jewish refugees. The American Friends Service Committee and the National Refugee Services. Um, in 1941 and 42, they rescued Jewish children from all over Europe, and they transported them to safety to American homes where generous young couples were eager to adopt them. Ruth Engelhart was one of those children. She arrived in New York City aboard the SS Mozinho on September 2nd, 1941. She was seven years old. Uh, her parents were outspoken opponents of the Nazis, and her, her father was arrested and imprisoned. Uh, her mother was also arrested. So there she was, completely alone. And thanks be to God, these two organizations worked together, and they chartered a boat to come to New York from Europe. I imagine Ruth riding on that boat and one morning seeing land in the distance. And as they got closer, she'd see the skyline of New York City. And after having seen buildings bombed out all over Europe, the skyline of New York must have been pretty impressive. And then walking through a big city untouched by bombing raids, there must have been a welcome change to the um, the bombed out cities in the countryside of Europe. So Ruth was placed in a home in Cleveland, Ohio, and she was raised by Joe and Gladys Spivak. And Ruth was told that her mother likely didn't survive the war. And after all, you know, being imprisoned by the Nazis and the fact that her father had been killed, there's probably no hope. So Ruth lived as though Gladys Spivak was her mom. 
The Spivaks wanted to adopt Ruth. They fed her, they clothed her, they educated her, they cared for her. And she turned 10, and she turned 12, and and she she learned how to read and write. She learned her arithmetic, right? She learned how to ride a bike. And at the age of 13, just a new teenager, she discovered something amazing. Her mom was alive. So the Spivaks traveled to New York City and reunited her with her birth mother, Helene. She had been, she escaped um, the prison. She was in an internment camp in France. And see, Ruth never stopped calling Gladys Spivak her mom. But now she knew her real mom was alive. After a few years, Ruth met and married Tony Myers on Long Island, New York. They raised a family together, and they they lived a happy, long life. And they both passed away in 2015. And I want you to imagine what it was like for Ruth to join a new family at the age of seven. Imagine what she thought each year on Mother's Day or her birthday. She must have wondered about her birth mother. But the truth about her life didn't take anything away from the love that Gladys Spivak gave her. Ruth had a birth mother and she had an adopted mother. She may have wondered at times which mother loved her more. So why do I share this story with you? What does Ruth Engelhart have to do with you and Mary? And the reason I share this is to show you that just like Ruth had two moms, you have two moms. When I wrote the book, Something You Can Count On, I just want to share with people that they have a heavenly mother. Besides your birth mother here on earth, you have a heavenly mother. And the one doesn't take anything away from the other. You can love them both because both of them love you. And as I share this story with you, I want you to imagine something. Imagine that you are working with the American Friends Service Committee or with the National Refugee Service. And imagine finding out that Ruth Engelhart's mother was alive. And imagine sitting there at your desk going through mail because there's no cell phones, there's no computers. Someone brought that information to you. And you remember Ruth and you remember her being placed with a family in Cleveland. So here's the question. If you worked for one of those organizations and you found out that Ruth's birth mother was still alive, how, how much time would you allow to pass before you made contact with the Spivics to tell them that Helene Engelhart was still alive? Imagine the sense of urgency that you'd have you know, we've got to tell, we've got to tell Ruth right away. Uh, and, you know, she'd, she'd be 13, like, you almost would be motivated to tell her just in case something would happen, in case one of them were to die. 
You'd want to reconnect them. You'd want to introduce Ruth to her mother. So you can probably see where this is going. The question is, why don't we have the same sense of urgency in telling other people that they have a spiritual mother in Mary, the mother of Jesus? She's every bit our mother, and she knows us so well, and she has so much to offer us. And this world needs the love that Mary has to offer. And, and the, the spiritual motherhood of Mary doesn't take away anything from the mother that you have or the mother that other people have that you want to tell about, the Blessed Mother. And th- this is a, a great case study in what does it mean to love because everybody loves their mother and everybody has pretty much the same reasons for loving their mother. I think about my mom, Julie Brown. She is an amazing person. And you can read about her in the book, something you can count on. There's there's several reasons that I love her. And for example, she loved me before I was born. And your mother loved you before you were born, whether you were a planned pregnancy or not. My mother cooperated with God to bring me into the world. She provided for me. She taught me about the world because she wanted to prepare me for difficult times. She taught me about Jesus. She sacrificed for me. And in addition to this, she's just a good person and a great role model. So that's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, that's seven reasons that I love my mom. And I don't worship my mom. I don't have any confusion. I don't think that she's God. I don't think that that she's the all-powerful being. And Mary is not God. She's not a goddess. She's not a priestess. Um, she's She's our mother, though. She, she wants to love us every bit as much as our earthly mothers and more because she's without sin. And let's just run through that list. My mom loved me before I was born. Mary loved us before we were born. My mom cooperated with God to bring me into the world. Mary cooperated with God to bring Jesus into the world to save us. My mom provided for me. Mary provides for us by interceding with God on our behalf. My mom taught me about the world because she wanted to prepare me for difficult times. Mary has taught us about the world because she she wanted to prepare us for difficult times. She came to warn the people in Europe about the rise of communist Russia. She came to warn the people in Rwanda about the coming genocide. My mom taught me about Jesus, and Mary teaches us about Jesus. First, she teaches us directly, because she's the one who probably told St. Luke about the birth and life of 
of Jesus before his public ministry, but also through devotion to the seven sorrows, Mary can teach us even more about Jesus. My mom sacrificed for me, and Mary has sacrificed for us. She's done this in many ways, but undeniably by first saying yes to carrying and birthing Jesus, but then also by protecting his life in the flight into Egypt. If it weren't for the sacrifice of Mary and Joseph, Jesus could have died as a child. And the seventh reason I love my mom is because she's just a good person and a great role model. Well, Mary is a, gr- a good role model. She's a good person. There's no other creature in the universe who's a better role model for us. Notice I said creature. She is the best role model of all the creatures in the universe for us. Mary is our spiritual mother. How can we let any time go by before we tell other people? And someone might might ask, you know, isn't this um, blasphemous? Isn't this um, unbiblical? But if Eve became the mother of all the living, by virtue of her rebellion in, in Eden, imagine how, how much more Mary is the mother of all the living by saying yes to bring Jesus into the world. And secondly, standing at the foot of the cross, Jesus looked to Mary and entrusted the beloved disciple to her care. In the Gospel of John, we read, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. So who is the the disciple whom he loved? If it's not you. And who needed who? Did Mary need John or did John need Mary? Or as it relates to you, who needs who? Does Mary need you or do you need Mary? Mary is our spiritual mother. If we are a beloved disciple of Jesus, as John was, can't you imagine Jesus saying to you, Behold, your mother. A third way we can know that Mary is our mother is from the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, we, um, we see this woman clothed with the sun, and she's laboring to give birth to a male child destined to rule the nations. It's clearly Mary, and she's about to give birth to Jesus. But a little further down in that chapter, chapter 12, the dragon is wanting to wage war against this woman, and St. Michael the archangel is there to battle the dragon. And the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against her offspring, it says in Revelation twelve seventeen. Well, who are, who are her offspring? John tells us her offspring are those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. And isn't it interesting that John, who wrote the book of Revelation, is that beloved disciple who wrote the Gospel of John. And he's not just shirking household chores by including you in the list of people who are considered her offspring. John is the beloved disciple. And if you keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus, then you are a beloved disciple. And you are the offspring 
of the woman clothed with the sun. In addition to those three thoughts that mother that Mary is the mother of all the living, that Jesus said to the beloved disciple, which is you, behold your mother, and that if you keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus, you are her offspring. In addition to those three thoughts, St. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I live, but it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And this is how we should view things when we consider the Gospel of John 14.23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If Christ lives in you, how can Mary neglect to love you with motherly care? The truth is that, that you cannot claim Jesus as a brother without invoking Mary as a mother. A fifth scriptural passage that teaches us about Mary as our mother is an, another passage from St. Paul. He tells us that the Spirit bears witness to the fact that we are children of God. He says, uh, we are fellow heirs with Christ. And how can we be fellow heirs with Christ if we are not also sons of Mary? So listen to this passage from Romans and try to imagine that the loving, generous, gracious God we have would not also want us to receive motherly love from the woman he chose to cooperate in bringing Jesus into the world. So St. Paul says in Romans eight seventeen, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, also notice the condition in this passage. St. Paul says, provided we suffer. And this has enormous consequences for us, and it propels us to accept suffering. Uh, so, this is Our Lady of Sorrows. The Spirit bears witness that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That means we inherit Mary as our spiritual mother. The final thought I want to share with you about Mary as our mother is that she is not the focus of our attention. She is not the, the object of our study and vision and prayer. It's, this isn't even about Mary. She doesn't want any thanks or honor. And all she wants is greater glory for God. Instead of thinking of us as focusing on Mary, we need to remember that Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She is like a pair of reading glasses through which we can better see Jesus. No one looks at their glasses. They look through their glasses. No one looks at their binoculars. They look through their binoculars. No one looks at a periscope, but people use a periscope to see the things that are above. So in the same way, we want to, we want to see the things that are above through our periscope, which is Mary.
Mary is your mother. Mary is our mother. How can we let another moment pass without telling other people about her? Because she is their mother as well. I just think about Ruth Englehart in Cleveland. How much time would you waste before you would tell her that her mother is alive? So, through Mary's intercession, we can experience peace in our families, find insights from the Holy Spirit, experience consolation. She can be with us in our sorrows and in our work. We can receive answers to our prayers through her intercession. We can experience protection from the enemy of our soul and experience Mary's assistance at the hour of our death. Thank you for joining me in this reflection today. I'm Carl Brown, and this is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. Everybody suffers. How can I pray for you? I'm Carl Brown, and you can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. Also, podcast statistics are hard to come by. If this episode was helpful to you, please let me know. My hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or you can share consolations with others. God bless you. Have a great day.